0: <laughs> Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions, because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning.
1: I'm Frank Proctor, and I've got a problem. Yeah, I'm the sous chef of the garden, all right, but I also have almost too much to talk about. Now, look, let me explain. Charlie Dobbin, our genial host... She's such a busy gal that I don't know whether we can fit all this stuff in. The emails, the work in her new home, the taping of the new television show, Healing Gardens. Look, bear with me while I get her on the line here to sort all of this stuff out. Ladies and gentlemen, from her new home in Prince Edward County,
2: let's give it up for
1: our very own Charlie Dubbin.
2: (laughs) Good heavens, Franklin. How do I follow up on that intro? (laughs) Meekly and with good humor. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for the direction, oh director. All right. Let me help you out with all this craziness that's going on in my life. Okay. Last week, as an example, the crew and I spent a few days in Merrickville, which is just outside Ottawa. Super pretty town. And I got to meet my newest hero. Her name is Diana Beresford Kruger. She's a renowned Irish botanist. She's a medical biochemist and author. Her latest, This book, actually, is very cool and called... Um, well, she did a video called Call of the Forest a few years ago, up uh, uh, PBS, The Truth About Trees. And her most recent book is To Speak for the Trees, which was just published very recently. But um, she and her husband live very lightly on the land and select native tree species to be able to withstand environmental changes brought on by climate change. And she's been doing this for over 40 years. So that's the second episode of Healing Gardens in the Can, so to speak.
1: Now, where can folks pick that up? Uh, have we got a definite time or whatever?
2: Nope, not yet. I can okay. tell you that you want to subscribe to a Vision TV because it will be aired on Vision TV. It'll be a 10-episode uh, documentary. Overall theme is Healing Gardens, and each episode speaks with different amazing people. I'm, a th- I'm thinking it's likely to air late winter or spring of 2021.
1: Excellent. Okay. Uh,
2: Anything else we should mention here? Well, in all this excitement introducing me like that, you (laughs) forgot to mention, this show is recorded, so we can't accept any phone calls. Oh, gosh, you're right. Okay. And we're taping this on Monday because...
1: Well, because you're going to be... On the road again, <laughs> uh, right?
2: That's right? That's right, Willie. But let's hold all of that till a little later in the show. Plus, I want to tell everybody about some of the exciting changes to my home landscape. I'm all ears. Okay, so, well, just quickly, I'm pretty thrilled at what's been happening on my property. We've got a new front walkway, the side of garage walk, a new large patio, fire pit, and about 24 feet of raised planters surrounding the fire pit. I was so excited. I ordered up Triple Mix and Elliot, who is truly the best— filled the planters during this crazy heat wave. So when I got back home from Merrickville, I was able to finally plant my tomatoes, kale and beans that have been languishing in pots since April.
1: Oh, that sounds great. You've got some pictures to prove it all, too. (laughs) Hey, but Charlie, uh, we have a whole lot of folks who have sent you emails.
2: Boy, do we ever have emails. We do need more questions, though, for next week.
1: Aha, that's my cue then to give Charlie's email address. Folks, here it is. Please send your email to c.dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N,
2: at mzmedia.com. And that's my cue to say thanks for tuning in to share your Saturday morning with me and Frank. We just got the jog from Joel that it's time for our first break. Boy, he is good. Never saw him sneaking up. Okay,
1: we're going to be back in just a moment here on Zoomer Radio.
0: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxclubs, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, uh, let's deal with the emails, as I've indicated.
1: we got a lot of them. Here's one from Janet Donnelly. She says, um, Hi, Charlie. I enjoy listening to your show every Saturday. Really appreciate all the tips. I live in Mississauga. I have a dwarf-weeping mulberry in my front garden, which has been there for about 10 years without any issues. Now, this year, I see some leaf buds, which haven't produced any leaves. Pretty puzzling as nothing else has changed since last year. I'm at a loss as what to do. I can see that the other ones in the neighborhood are full of leaves. I'm hoping there's a way to save it. Appreciate your help. Hmm. And from Janet.
2: Okay, great question, Janet. And she did send a couple of photographs showing the tree that appears to be alive, but has no actual true leaves on it. And so this is what we call delayed dormancy. It's when a plant doesn't doesn't grow as we would expect it to in the spring. And uh, what you can do, really the only thing you can do is, well, you go talk to it, and you tell it it's spring and summer now, so wake up. But what will also kind of force that plant out of bud is pruning it. So you're going to go through and you're going to tip, all the tips need to be pruned off. Now looking at the pictures, I can also see the plant is quite lopsided. It's growing out away from the house, obviously towards the sun, and it's very light on one side and very heavy on the other. So I would try and balance that out a bit as well. I'd be cutting back harder on the on the, the full side and not so hard on the, the narrow side. Uh, it is a bit hot to be doing any radical pruning. Um, it's the kind of thing probably should have done a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but nevertheless, it is still worth a try. Of course, make sure the plant does not suffer for lack of water. When you're pruning, it can be stressful in the, in the heat. So make sure that this plant is well, well saturated during this process. And I would expect it should pop out of dormancy as a result.
1: Oh, great news. Okay, thank you. Uh, Joanne Benson writes in, Hi, Charlie. have a garden that I share with my sister along with my own garden. I plant my eggplants in my sister's garden as I have no room in mine. This is the first time we've noticed bugs on the eggplants. Now, we checked on the Internet. They appear to be called Colorado beetles. They have a yellow-orange body with black stripes. We tried picking them off and killing them. The neighbors have them as well and had them a few years ago. However, last year they didn't have any. I know they attacked nightshade plants, and we'd like to know the best method to treat this bug infestation. Hope you can help us. Love listening to your show as they find very very informative. On gardening strategies, so there you go from Joanne Benson.
2: Okay, so that is, uh, I believe she's correct. It is called a Colorado potato beetle. Generally, uh, she mentions that they're found on nightshade plants. So, what are nightshade plants? Um, typically, nightshade plants are the plants in the family called Solanaceae. So that includes the traditional deadly nightshade that some of us might have growing in our gardens, which is a, an invasive, problematic plant. But that also includes potatoes, tomatoes, and eggplants. They are all members of the same family. So the best thing I can recommend is you got to rotate your crops. You cannot keep those eggplants, potatoes, and tomatoes growing in the same spots year after year, and also avoid having them adjacent to each other. So you want to have space between your tomatoes, your eggplants, and your potatoes some of the big commercial growers like of, of potatoes as an example will specifically plant eggplants and tomatoes around the edges of the potato plots and that way all those beetles go to the tomatoes and eggplants and don't touch the potatoes so you know it's one of those things they the, the insect does eat the leaves and will devastate the plants and ultimately kill the plants so in the meantime get yourself a bucket of water put a couple drops of oil in it or a couple drops of soap and get out there and you pick them pick them and drop them and drown them in the bucket there is no spray to control them if you put what's called a floating row cover over top of those plants then you have issues with any um fertilizing that you need pollinating that you need because you need the insects for pollination so you can't cover them uh and so you really just have to go out there and pick you can pick and squish or pick and drown uh and remember rotate 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 okay (laughs)
1: It all sounds so romantic. Pick and squish. I just love it. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, Don't you look forward uh, to that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh I have an old friend, John Attard. Now, you and, and he have been in quite a conversation here. He, he sent you some uh, photos mm-hmm. about uh, branches that got dry and then died and the leaves are curling. And you, as I say, have been in. Kind of email conversation with him, right?
2: Yeah. So he sent me his initial question or or photographs around the middle of June and they were photographs of apple trees. So I responded by saying, okay, look, I don't know why suddenly some branches would die on very fairly old trees, like, you know, established trees. So I asked him a few questions about his spraying. I asked him uh, a little bit about when he pruned or did he prune and he answers with yes. He did uh, spray dormant oil twice in early April. He pruned quite a bit. He doesn't say when. And he's the guy with the bambanellas. Remember, we've heard all about his right. bambinellas, and they sound great. Uh, anyway, he's got some new bambinellas, which is exciting. He managed to get more. Um, bottom line is he wonders, uh, could he cover the bottom of the trees with river rocks? And the answer to that question is, I wouldn't. I hate the idea no. of river rocks around the base of trees. I mean, it's one thing to say I, I want sort of a river rock look to my garden where the trees are, but I would always, always use mulch, you know, a, a bark mulch at the base of trees, remembering that the mulch should not touch the, the stem of the trees. But you, you set it in there like, um, the old, uh, vol- the volcano idea <clears throat> or a well. So it's not up the bark. It's strictly A well around the base of the tree, uh, a good several inches away from the trunk, and from that point, the rain can get down to the trunk. And then if you want to do rocks, go out beyond the drip line with your river rocks.
1: All righty? Yeah, I I enjoyed one of your little uh, notes back to him. found it quite educational. Pruning can be challenging, say you, uh, since we prune one way for fruit mm-hmm. and differently for aesthetics. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the right time to prune is February, March yeah. in the GTA.
2: Yeah, it's, Good stuff. Yeah, it's true. I mean, what looks pretty in the landscape is not always produce, what produces the most fruit, right?
1: <laughs> oh, you also advise a me to speak with Colin Campbell of Campbell's Orchards. I did. I said, you get out here and visit me and talk to Colin because he knows everything about apples. <laughs> okay, well, we'll know everything about gardening from the lips of our host there, Charlie Dobbin, and we're going to be returning in just a couple of moments. Here on Zuma Radio, it's the Garden Show.
0: Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: Alrighty, Charlie, uh, back with more questions uh, from the emails here, uh, and a flower I've never heard of, Monarda flowers. This is from Marie in Toronto. She says, uh, enjoy your helpful show very much. I love to grow Monarda flowers. However, every spring I struggle with a mass or a mess of seedlings everywhere. What's the best way to deal with hmm. this? Uh,
2: okay. So thanks for that, Marie. Um, I'm not Okay, so since you mentioned you don't know what Monarda is, I'm going to tell you. It's uh, is commonly also referred to as bee balm. It's a perennial flowering plant. It's a member of the mint family, so it tends to be very vigorous in its growth. It has beautiful vibrant summer flowers. They come in white, pink, red, purple. They it's a great plant for pollinators, for attracting pollinators into your garden, and many people will use both the flowers and the leaves as a tea for infusing tea. So you you might, if you, if you're ever much of an herbal tea drinker. You might see bee balm or monarda as an ingredient in tea. Um, now, the the question of it the seedlings coming up is interesting. I can only think that Maria is or yeah, Marie is uh, growing a fairly old version of monarda, which is self seeding all over the place. So, one thing I would recommend is maybe eliminate that particular variety you've got and select one of the more newer cultivars because number one, they have fewer fungal problems. Monarda tends to get powdery mildew, plus they don't produce the same number of seeds. But it is a vigorous plant. So any minority you, you plant is going to start as one little plant and shortly, within a few short years, be quite a big mass. Uh, you do need to dig it up because what happens is underground stems, uh, known as stolons, will, go, will pop up away from the mother plant. So that's how the clump gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So every two to three years, you got to dig the whole thing up, uh, divide it, keep some pieces, share some pieces, compost, whatever you don't want, because it is a bit of a takeover plant, but it's really worth growing. So uh, And remember as well, make sure it's a lot like full sun and good air circulation to avoid fungal problems. When it comes to seedlings, there's absolutely nothing you can do except pull them out. Okay,
1: all righty. On we go with another question this time around from Alicia McDivitt who says, I have an amaryllis that's about 30 years old. It's only happy in my basement by the window and grows to about 32 inches high, so I have to stake and tie it to keep it standing. I think it needs to be in a better pot, but I don't know how to proceed. If you look at the one photo... I thought a a bulb that was dead is now spreading and uh, the rest of the plant flowers have died off. I don't know what to do with that seed pod in the one photo. (laughs) Any help you could give is appreciated. There you go from Alicia.
2: Right. So, and and Alicia also sent some photographs. So, here's what I'm seeing when I'm looking at the photos. Number one, the bulbs are planted too deep. Amaryllis bulbs, we only plant them with the bottom half to two thirds of the bulb under the soil. So, the top Top half or third is above the soil. So, absolutely, yes. I would, if I were her consider repotting those. I wouldn't do it right now. I'd wait until the end of August. Make sure you're repotting into a pot that has drainage and make sure you're using a fresh soilless mix. So a good proper potting soil. So for now, um, again, looking at the pictures, prune out all the dead flowers, the seed pods, pop them into the compost. You don't want those there. What you want are the leaves and you want to let those leaves grow. And the new little green leaves coming up is, is great. That's just a little baby bulb that grown off the mother bulb. So just continue to treat it as a houseplant or put it outside, which works well too. Uh, let those leaves flop. I wouldn't worry about staking them. Just outside, sunshine, water as necessary, lots of light. End of August. Now, at end of August, you're going to bring it in the house. You're going to get it out of that pot. You're going to clean some of that soil away. You're going to repot it, as I indicated, higher into could be a bigger pot they like to be tight in the pot so it doesn't have to be like super uh, large pot and uh so there you are at the end of august doing this repotting you're going to get it all set up for the future by putting it into the dark and you're going to stop watering if you're impatient you can cut off those leaves that'll be there at that point or you can wait the leaves are going to turn yellow and fall off 10 weeks later pull it out of the dark get it into the light if the basement window is the best, okay, but personally, I'd like to bring it where, you know, unless you live in the basement, I'd like to bring it to where I live, like the kitchen or living room, but lots of light and water as necessary. Um, you could get some fertilizer now if you want lightly, uh, just, um, to, you know, help encourage it to grow lots of green leaves and fatten up the bulb. But remember the more light you give it, the shorter the plant will be and the shorter the plant is the less staking you're going to have to do. So consider that as well, get it into the brightest possible light you can when you pull it out of the dark which is november sometime and we're you know light levels are pretty low in, in our natural light levels, so supplementary light can even be a good idea but definitely a south window if you have one no curtains
1: <laughs> okay
2: thanks all righty
1: uh this this could be um the same alicia but in any case alicia i believe Uh, from Buffalo writes, Hi, Charlie, we trimmed a large maple tree and this is what we found. Apparently, you've sent there, you've received a photo. Mm -hmm. The uh, tree appears to be healthy otherwise. Any advice?
2: Uh, Call an arborist. Because, uh-huh. Oh, so you didn't see the photo when I forwarded that to no, you? No, right? no, I did Yeah, so it's quite a large limb. It looks like it's a good, it's a very large limb, you know, a couple feet across. And the heartwood or the center of that limb is dead. It's a bit, I don't see evidence of insects, but I do see evidence of what we call dead heartwood. It's never a good sign when that's happening in a tree, when it's rotting in the center. Uh, a tree can look perfectly healthy on the outside and be rotting from the inside. And all you need is a big wind or a big ice storm or a big something and the tree starts dropping limbs all over the place. So I would get a professional certified arborist onto the property to recommend your next best steps.
1: Excellent idea. Okay. Just a reminder that you are listening to a program that Has been recorded, in fact, last Monday uh, here on Zoomer Radio with the help of Joel. And uh, the reason we're uh, doing this on Monday as opposed to a regular record date, uh, Tuesday, is because Charlie is going to be on the road again with another program for the uh, TV show Healing Gardens. Now, a little later on this afternoon, you've got
2: a long drive ahead of you heading toward northern Quebec, right? That's right. That's right. Um, Going to a very famous garden, I'm sure some of our listeners will have been there. Reeford Gardens or Jardin de Métis. It's a just what was, believe it or not, a fishing camp that was transformed in 1887 into an estate uh, it's right on the banks of the St. Lawrence. So it was uh, a woman named Elsie Reeford who was given the property from her uncle, and she inherited it uh, in 1926. At the age of 54, Elsie began creating gardens there uh, while recuperating from having her appendix removed. So she was guided by her intuition, her love of nature, her remarkable energy. And now here we are all these years later, her great-grandson, is the curator or the director of Reefford Gardens. And um, it's just a, a, an amazing garden. I've never seen it only in pictures, but I certainly know Alexander Reford from my Canada Blooms days, because he would come uh, often with other very artistic, sculptural, creative types, and they would often put in an installation at Canada Blooms. Um, but uh, yes, I'm totally looking forward to seeing Alexander in his home garden and his home space. And he is going to be the subject of one of our episodes of Healing Gardens, and it's the idea is healing the city, or urban life in harmony with nature. And in conversations we've had, Charlie, you've mentioned
1: that the crew, the TV crew, they're having a ball with this.
2: They are. It's a very fun group I'm with. We, we've got a, obviously a director, a producer, we've got multi-camera guys, we've got two drones going, zipping all over the place, and um and I tell you that I mentioned to you earlier, and as I'm sitting here right now, I'm scratching mosquito bites because I keep ending up in forests, you know, uh, interviewing really amazing people in gardens and forests because this is all outdoors, right? It's all outdoor yeah. shooting. And there I am trying to be very calm and, and just, you know, do a real nice one-on-one interview and not slap every 10 seconds. All these things are biting me. So I'm very slowly smearing blood on my ankles and my arms. Uh, It's gonna be. I don't know how they're gonna edit this, I have no idea. I mean, maybe if you look closely, you'll see me slowly smearing things while I'm interviewing some of these really interesting people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my, what a great mental picture! You drum up from that. Oh, I am so itchy. Yeah, no, no sandals next time. No Uh, kidding. Yeah, golly. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'll have, have a ball with that. That drive is a long one. The first leg of it is something yeah. like six and a half hours and
2: then... Y- yeah, then, gonna uh, the- another five up north. So it's past wow. Quebec City and then due north. So it's about a... From my place, it's a good ten and a half hour drive. Well,
1: we're going to be just so anxious to see the finished results. And we'll let everybody know where to catch healing gardens yes. that uh, Charlie is the host for. Alrighty, on to uh, more emails here. And once again, Alicia comes in with a question. I've been trying to grow blueberries for many years with poor success. The photos... Are, uh, one of the bushes, I have no idea what's going on with it. All summer the branches look like this with their hairy growths but nothing developing into leaves. Now lately, there seems to be less of these little spikes compared to the beginning of summer. Uh, the other bushes are iffy <laughs> and, but they have leaves and appear to be doing better than previous years. In the beginning, one bush gave us maybe five to eight uh, stumped. I'm not sure what she means by that. Uh, anyway, bottom line, I'm not a gardener. As you can probably tell from my emails, I keep trying. Thank you, Alicia Buffalo.
2: Excellent. Well, good for you, Alicia. Like, do keep trying. But, you know, blueberries are one of the hardest things to grow unless you live in the conditions that blueberries want. You obviously recognize that they want a low pH. So you say you're watching the pH and you're trying to give muracid or acid, But muracid is also a fertilizer. So there's other ways to lower your pH without just using acid. Okay. <laughs> Peat moss uh, will lower, slowly will lower pH. Uh, just to straight, something called soil acidifier, which is a sulfur-based product. Again, lowering the pH, but not fertilizing at the same time. Again, full sun. Blueberries don't naturally grow in full sun. They naturally grow in a dappled sun shade Coniferous forest is where they grow. So, you know, low pH, dappled sunshade, moisture as required, uh, tough to grow. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hear your pain, and there's no real easy answer except it all starts. And often people will grow blueberries in pots or raised um, gardens because that way you really can provide the right soil for them. Super low pH. You want like a 5.5 pH on that. So get yourself a pH tester as well. All right? All righty. Okay.
1: And uh, Doreen writes in. Uh, hi, Charlie. I had roofers working at my place. They covered my front garden with a tarp. My Japanese maple and my cedar pom now scorched from the heat. Do I cut away the burnt foliage or leave it until the spring? I've been applying water to their bases. That from Doreen.
2: Okay, so that's a real drag. I'd be uh, demanding compensation from those roofers. Um, What I would say is smell. Start by smelling. If the plants have been killed, they're going to have a certain um, sort of raunchy smell to them. If they do, then trim away what is obviously dead. They might have just gotten discolored and scorched from the heat. So don't do any trimming until you have to. Watering is good. Don't overdo the watering, though. Just keep them moist, but don't, you know, drown them um once the heat alleviates a bit which might be more like late august or september if they're still showing a lot of scorch or dead yellow brown uh then do your trimming then avoid doing a lot of trimming now it's just too hot to do much uh, pruning on plants
1: Okay, Uh, we're going to take a next little break here, but in the meantime, can I just remind you one more time, we do need more emails for next week's show, so please send along your question to Charlie Dobbin at c.dobbin, d-o-b-b-i-n, at mzmedia.com. And Charlie and I shall return to Zoomer Radio with The Garden Show in just moments.
0: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, okay, Charlie, we're off and
1: running with the emails again here on The Garden Show. Susan Merrick in Thornhill writes, Hi, Charlie, my Rieger begonias look great for the first couple of months, then fade away. They get morning sun and watered with my underground sprinkler system. Too much water? Hmm? My lawn needs it, of course. Thanks for your advice, Susan.
2: Right. So, uh, And again, Susan sent some photographs. I love it when people send pictures. It's always easier. I Right now, I think your begonias look pretty nice. (laughs) Now, now I guess you're suggesting that they're going to fade away as the summer progresses. I am seeing a fair amount of dead flowers. I would recommend you remove anything that's brown or crispy or dead. We call that deadheading when you take away the dead. Um, If you can water a little less, Uh, that's a good idea because reger begonias are also known as tuberous begonias and the tuber which is under the ground can rot if it's kept moist all the time. Um, The other thing that might make a difference, not only less water, but maybe some fertilizer. All annuals love to be cranked a little bit of flowering plant fertilizer. So whether it's miracle Grow or something like that, uh, go for it. Uh, I would get some of that out onto the flowers. And when it comes to your lawn, like realize your lawn needs at the most an inch of water a week so set that up so that the zone that these begonias are in that's also part of the lawn uh is they're getting about an inch a week not more than that because that uh, established lawns do not need a lot of water they just need consistent water so uh that would be my suggestion Alrighty, Uh, I love this note from Sherry
1: Pembleton, who, pardon me, has one of the most enthusiastic emails (laughs) I've heard. She says uh, Hi, Charlie and Frank. I love, love, love your show. I listen every week without fail. Also, play your podcast if I think I might have missed anything. But my question today is, what would cause my clematis to bloom pink and purple flowers on the same vine? I have 14 vines growing in my backyard fencing and on my arbors. I have white, different shades of pink, reds, mauves, and of course the very popular Jackamani. All vines are at least six feet apart, if not further, and are between 20 and 25 years old and still blooming prolifically. I love them and they know it. (laughs) Pink and purple, am I pronouncing it right? Jackamani? Have got me baffled. baffled. It, It is beautiful. Thanks for your expert knowledge, Sherry Pambleton. Thanks for joining us every Saturday,
2: Sherry. (laughs) So, you know what, this is an interesting, it doesn't happen that often, but it does happen that Older plants, Clematis being a good example of one that this can happen to, can change color with age. So as the plant gets older, the colors often get lighter. So she's going from a traditional dark purple Jack Manny, which is all of a sudden now producing some pink or pale purple flowers. So, like I said, it does happen. It's not super common, but uh, it's got probably it's got more to do with the age. The 20 to 25 year old vines are blooming prolifically, which is great and having mixed flowers on one vine is gorgeous i so many times whenever i plant clematis i actually plant two vines together in the same planting hole so one would be pink one would be purple or whatever so that they grow up together and they all mix in and you can't even tell that there's two different plants there and so you're getting that happening just because of the plant's doing it for you i think it sounds great why not all right um a note here, this is more a comment than a question,
1: uh, Charlie, from Maureen Boyce, one of our really regular listeners. Boy, she said, just a comment. Um, she had some really nice things to say about both of us. Thank you for that, Maureen. But went on to say, I so enjoyed hearing about your visit to the Sustainable Farm. I look forward to that series on Vision TV. Hope the landscaping is going well. She loves the idea of a frog pond. Uh, apparently says, love frogs, <laughs> especially singing frog. Great sound on a summer <laughs> evening. You know, you referred to your work going on at your place at the very top of the show. So, just remind folks that uh, you're going to be, I think, uh, putting some of the photos on your
2: website, right? Yeah, actually I should check my, they might be up now, but certainly if you follow me on Instagram, you would also. So uh see because my my social media manager <laughs> which is my daughter um, <laughs> she she's the one who looks after all this stuff for me so what's my Instagram I think I'm just charlie dobbin on Instagram. Anyway, search for me on Instagram if you're interested because the updates are definitely happening there. And good point. I will check my website before this show is over and see if she put anything up there as well. But uh, yeah, good for you. And thank you, Maureen. She, Maureen says, give the furry friends a, a pet. I just want to let you know that my cat, Carter, who is a very overweight cat, he's decided <laughs> he, he likes our new patio. So he's going out on the patio just to get to chew some crabgrass because we don't have real crab, real grass yet. Um, um, but he's flopping out on the patio and we're letting him go out because we know he can't run away. <laughs> he's too fat. <laughs> if, <you> try, <laughs> if he tried to take off, we could we could chase him down easy.
1: <laughs> well, I, I've uh, met Carter and delightful. Give him a <laughs> for me, would you, Charlie? <laughs> I will. OK, uh, I'm looking at the clock here. Uh, time enough just at this moment in time for this uh, particular segment to mention if you would uh, like to. Uh, take advantage of the tips That are offered up on Charlie's uh, Website by all means Just go to com And search out tips They'll be right there for you And all sorts of
2: great tips Right Charlie? Uh Yes, indeed. lot. Sorry. I'm just distracted because I was reading a text because I sent a question for some advice from somebody. Um, yeah, definitely. Great tips from different listeners, typically. So, um, you know, different ways to grow the best tomatoes or deter deer or whatever might be going on in your garden at this point.
1: Okie dokie. I will be back with more emails very shortly here on The Garden Show. You're listening to Zoomer Radio here in Toronto from the Zoomerplex.
0: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and fox clubs, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweetwilliams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well,
1: okay, Charlie, here's a neat note from Doris Lushner. Says, uh, I love your Saturday morning radio show. My husband and I enjoy our second cup of coffee while you and Frank continue to entertain us with your sense of humor and your gardening expertise. I would love to know the name of this plant. She's obviously sent you a photo. It's been in our garden for four or five years, and I almost pulled it out one year, but very happy it was persistent. Uh, this year, It was gorgeous for about three weeks. I hope this attachment will help you identify this perennial. Thank you, and I wish you continued success.
2: That from Doris Luchner. right, so I saw the photograph you sent. Thank you very much, Doris. I went, oh, I know what that plant is, but the the name totally eluded me. So I was like, you know, back and forth, back and forth. I went, I know. I'll go to my friend, Sean James, because he's very, very good at plant ID. I forwarded it to Sean, and everybody knows Sean. He's been on the show in the past. He's a one wonderfully smart individual and he works and consults out of uh, Milton close just west of Toronto um, so Sh- Sean got back to me and he said it's AM Sonia so AM S as in Sam. O n i a. Now he thinks it's Blue Star Amsonia, but that, I mean it, the star. The flowers are star shaped. It is definitely Amsonia. So it's just a question. Of maybe it's it blew in from a neighbor. Uh, but yeah, it's an ornamental plant that is very commonly grown. So good for you that you didn't pull it out because it's quite pretty.
1: All righty. Uh, let's see. Next question in from Hazel Lowe. Uh, starting seeds indoors. Okay, so, Charlie, for years I've tried to start plants indoors from seeds, mostly vegetables and some flowers. I've used lights, a sunny window, even put them on the heating grill, and all I get are weak, spindly seedlings that are eventually dying. Well, this year I got very excited when seven sweet pepper seedlings survived. I faithfully hardened them off and eventually planted them outdoors. Three of them are still alive. I say alive because they're not big and bushy like the ones I purchased. Uh, any advice you can give me to help me achieve some resemblance to the plants from the Garden Center would be much appreciated. I'm hoping for a better success next year. That from Hazel in Mississauga. Uh,
2: okay, so this we could do a whole show on starting seeds and then caring for the seedlings before they can go outside. Because of course these are tender little plants and we don't take them out when it's really cold. So we have to wait till we're frost free. And then as Hazel recognizes, we harden off these tender little plants. So we prepare them for the big bad real world outside. what I would like to say is if you're getting weak spindly seedlings, it's because you have insufficient light. So I, I know you say you, you've you used a sunny window, but a sunny window is not enough because we have too many gray days in the spring and sunny windows just are never going to provide you with the kind of light levels that seedlings need. Now, that it's not expensive to get um, they're, I mean the, the old uh, fluorescent grow lights very very accessible but what's much newer and less ener- sorry more energy efficient less uh, costly to run are the LED lights I actually invested in one this past winter just for that purpose for some of my house plants but also to start seedlings uh, hung it up uh, from the rafters in my basement and uh, worked like a charm I, I didn't put it on a timer or anything I just kept it on 16 hours a day so So you know light is going to have a big impact if you can't provide that supplementary lighting don't start your seedlings early wait until sort of the end of April before you plant any seeds. Remember that when you're putting into a potting soil or a seeding mix. It is inert, sterile, and has no fertility. So you must, once the seeds germinate, you must start to fertilize consistently. And um, that's where those big, bushy, beautiful ones come from. At the garden center, they are very consistently fertilized. So a couple of websites I'd recommend. One is gardeners.com, just gardeners.com. And another one is growveg.com. And both of those will give you some good sort of tips on starting seeds, but also how to get those little seedlings outside into the garden and doing and being nice and fat and happy like the ones they have at the garden center all
1: and doing uh, during this pandemic so many more people are getting into gardening right
2: Hmm. i think so i think there's been a real a real pretty you know push and excitement for getting out into the garden a lot of obviously home renovation but also outdoor renovation so most of the landscapers are i think are having a kind of a record-breaking year once they were able to get out and do the work that people wanted them to do. Uh certainly the garden centers it started very slow for them, but it has uh improved dramatically. So they're able to um, you know, uh you know, get the plants it's, if you, somebody was joking, uh, tomato plants are like toilet paper. Remember that you couldn't get toilet paper back in, in March? Well, yeah. you couldn't get a tomato plant now for love or money because every tomato plant has been well sold and planted somewhere else. It's, uh, you know, even the tomato growers are calling up the other tomato growers going, do you have any tomatoes left? Because we have none. So yeah, right. tomatoes have always been the number one vegetable too. So that, I think that's a bit of that going on.
1: Uh, We've mentioned actually a few times in the show uh, that you appreciate receiving photos. and Since we've been doing the show, i forced to do it with email only. Uh, Folks are really cottoned on and are sending you all sorts of photos to help you identify things. And here's one from Wendy Keys. Mystery tree, and she sent you the photo. Says, Good morning. This little tree just sort of sprang up in our garden about three years ago, and we're curious about it. Closest image I could find on Google was to the Japanese black maple. Could you please enlighten us as to genus and care, or genus and care, pardon me? Yeah.
2: Uh, you know what? Good question. I find it interesting that it just sprang up in, in their yard. So that plant was introduced into the horticultural industry about mm, maybe 15 years ago. It's actually an elder. So Sambucus is the genus. And the cultivar is called Black Lace. And it, one of the things reasons it was introduced is because it's hardier than a Japanese maple. So for people that love Japanese maples, it was a way to get the look of a Japanese maple maple with a plant that was going to be able to withstand more extreme temperatures etc it does get big if you leave it untended it'll get eight feet tall and wide Uh, it's beautiful it's a bit leggy it's it's not naturally kind of a beautifully shaped plant the way Japanese maples are but prune it don't be afraid to prune it shape it any way you want I had one in Richmond I used to cut it right down uh, you know every spring but it gets pink flowers which is one thing that Japanese maples don't get so it's kind of special special that way. So it is a elder Sambucus black lace. Okay. I'm
1: looking at the time here very shortly. I'm going to get a dig in the ribs from Joel saying, that's it guys, wrap it up. But before I do, uh, let me wish you a wonderful trip to Northern Quebec in uh, your show, healing gardens, Uh, that long trip, six and a half hours today. And then another five uh, tomorrow at some point.
2: Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Heading, heading, uh, East to start, getting past Montreal, past Quebec City this afternoon, and then heading north up to Reeford Gardens, which is it's it's a very small town, but it's right on the well, it's it's right on. I keep thinking it's the St. Lawrence, but I guess it can't be. It's on some body of water. I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll figure I'll figure it out when I get there.
1: Okay, <laughs> but, but, well we're all about it. Uh, Certainly uh, in the following week, right? uh, I'm pretty excited.
2: Uh, Thanks, Frank.
1: uh, Golly. Thank you, Charlie. It's been been fun. Thanks, Joel.
2: And thank you very much, Joel. Thanks for all your great email. Keep them coming.
0: See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.